Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there, hello there, and welcome to this episode 93 of the WP Builds Podcast. This episode is entitled, What Makes a Successful Proposal with Adam Hempenstall? It was published on Thursday, the 13th of September, 2018. My name's Nathan Wrigley from pictureandword.co.uk, a small web development agency based in the north of England. And today I will not be joined by David Wormsley from davidwormsley.com because if you've been listening to the podcast recently, you'll know that we've decided to chop and change it around a little bit. It was getting a little bit long, and so instead of doing an interview and a discussion during each episode, we've decided to sort of alternate it a bit, and one week we'll do an interview, and the next week a discussion, and maybe two interviews in a row, two discussions in a row, we're not entirely sure yet. But that's the way it's going to work, so David Wormsley won't be on that episode, so if you love him the most of all, it's time to switch off. Anyway, what I would appreciate very much indeed is if you could go to wpbuilds.com and click on the buttons underneath the player, you can find a way how to give us a a nice review on iTunes, that would be lovely, or you can find ways to open it on your mobile phone or various other platforms and so on and so forth. We also have a few things going on on that website. For example, if you go to wpbuilds.com forward slash deals, you'll be able to avail yourself of a whole heap of deals that we've got going on there. It's things like coupon codes and what have you for various WordPress plugins and so on. So, for example, we've got 25% off Erin Flynn's courses, 20% off Beaver Team Pro, 25% off Main WP, 80% off Block Party, Blog Vault and Malcare, both 20% and 20% off either of the toolset packages as well. So there you go, that might be worth looking into. The other thing I would say is if you go to wpbuilds.com forward slash webinars, we've got lots and lots of webinars lined up for the near future. Um, one of them is actually today, in about five or six hours' time, I'll be talking to Cory Mass from Kanban WP. Um, And also in the near future, we've got um, Arindo Duque from WP Ultimo. We've got a webinar with Adam Hempenstall, who's on today's show, um, all about how to spot the good and the bad bits in a proposal and how to make it as effective as possible. And then also we've got Beaver Team Pro um, webinar from the developer Tom Carlos, and they're all coming up in the next few weeks. So go and check those out if you want to get involved and you can ask those people questions about their plugins and so on and so forth. We've just ended a competition over at wpbuilds.com forward slash win and the three winners of the blocks.party Uh, agency license are James Barrett, Craig Patterson and Matthew Granite. So congratulations to you. I've written emails to all of you, so hopefully you'll find everything that you need to know in your emails and you should get your plug in very, very soon. Okie dokie. 
I think that's everything I've got to say for this particular episode. I can't think of anything else. So what I'll do then is tell you all about the interview today. We've got Adam Hempenstall on. Now, Adam's been on the podcast before. Um, He's talking about how to make effective proposals, something that, you know, if you're dealing with website clients, you're going to have to make proposals from time to time. And he's got a SaaS platform called Better Proposals, and it's really, really good. I use it to send out my proposals. And he's not really talking so much about his product. He's talking more about what it is that you need to include in your proposal in order to make a excuse me in order to make it a success there's lots and lots of things in there that make just common sense and you're probably doing anyway but there might be a few little bits and pieces that you're not thinking about and it certainly talks about the way to think about it and the way to frame it and so on and so forth so yes go check it out and thank you so much for listening to the podcast once again i hope you enjoy it hello there welcome to the interview part of the podcast Thanks for sticking with us. We have, for the second time, actually, I think it was probably, I'm guessing about a year ago now, that we had, yeah, do you think it was? We had Adam Hempenstall on. Uh, He's from the UK, as you'll tell by his accent in a moment, but he doesn't live in the UK. Hi, Adam, how are you doing? I am very well. How are you? I'm very good. Yeah, Adam Adam is currently, well, do you want to just quickly tell him about your very interesting and fun life that you have in two locations? (laughs) Because we spoke before this and it was really an interesting story. Yeah, uh, so we uh, I alternate from um, Brighton, England, and split in Croatia. So England is good for a few things, countryside and, I don't know, fish and chips, but it is not very good for uh, and football, I suppose, but it is not very good for summer. So I move from England and come to Croatia in the summer to uh, enjoy. I'll tell you the story is a bit longer and more interesting than that, but that's a good that's a good little brief <laughs> brief summary yeah. of it. Um, Adam is the the founder. I'm going to say CEO. Is that the right word? I hate the term CEO, but yeah, you can should, use it. Should we just say CEO founder? Let's say CEO. Thing? Yeah, of um, of better proposals. And the last time he came on, he was talking all about it, and uh, you know, it it was fairly new at that time. He's obviously got a little bit more water under the bridge. And today we're going to talk a little bit about proposals, uh, loosely based around mm-hmm. better proposals, the project that he's got going on, but mostly about when is a good time to throw proposals at clients and, you know, what what needs to be included in it. So let's start there, shall we? Um, mm-hmm. Let's let's make the assumption that everybody listening to this is using WordPress and they're trying to gather in clients and they're pitching against loads of other people. You've got some interesting stats, I know, because uh, you've done a lot of research on this kind of thing. Do you want to tell us, well, let's ask this very broad question. What should be, what are the key things that should be in a proposal to a client? So there's a couple of things. Um, really, what you want to be doing is answering their questions that they have. And I'm not suggesting that you need to write all of this stuff from scratch. Absolutely opposite. Um, but there are a couple of things that you should definitely make sure that you have in there. Um, It largely comes down to the fact that you need to speak to their actual problems. So you can't do this without some sort of discovery session. You have to at some point speak to the client and find out from them what it is that they're trying to achieve. And don't take their first answer as, as gospel. You just say you keep digging, right? And you're trying to find that real reason as to why they want to do the thing that they're going to do, why they want that new website, why they want more leads. You know, why can't you just improve your conversion rate? That would achieve the same thing, right? Mm. So find out the actual reasons. And then once you've got to that deeper level, 
you can start writing your proposal with so much more clarity than you had before. So, you know, little Joe blogs off the street comes along and says, oh, you want a website? Okay, what color do you want it? Blue, sweet. Okay, I'll go ahead and write a proposal. Well, you're sitting there (laughs) writing about their actual business goals. It's a totally different thing. So straight away, the most important thing and the thing that you absolutely cannot, it's just simply non-negotiable. You have to write a very solid two-paragraph introduction otherwise known as an executive summary or a snapshot, depending on your languaging that you tend to use. Um, But it has to be specifically written for them. It's the thing that matters more than anything else in the proposal, more than the price, more than the design, more than anything else. Get this bit right and everything else flows. Is that just to to get them to open the the document, really, if you know what I mean? You know, they've got they're obviously they've asked you to come over to the office. You've had a discovery session. So they're in some way, shape or form. They're invested in what you've uh, what you're going to send to them. But are you trying to just get them to go beyond page two? You know, in other words, they've opened it up. They've read the executive summary. And if it doesn't include that often, it just gets put down. But if they've got a good executive summary, they're going to start flicking through it. Is that like kind of yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it. I mean, you don't when you read a newspaper article, you don't read the small print first do you no. you there's there's three sets of fonts there there's the headline which grabs you you know justin bieber found with a strap on on his head and you read that bit <laughs> i don't know where i'm going with this and then and then the next bit down is a little bit more detailed like he had a strap on on his head and he was wearing a pink shirt and then you know then it goes into a little bit more detail uh, about all of the other things that happened that day so it, it breaks things down. And that's kind of what you're trying to do in a way with this. You want to sort of have that whole sort of grab them initially. Um, bonus points if you can somehow mention a strap on attached to Justin Bieber's head. Um, it's a guaranteed win. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, but, you know, you really want to get that sort of first initial bit in there and then, you know, break it down in um, tiny little bit more detail and then sort of go into, you know, like a couple of par- short, punchy paragraphs. No waffle. Spend some time editing this. Cut stuff out and really make it a punchy, attention-grabbing, wow, I have to read further to learn more. Like I've got to – there's no, you know, there's no choice. I can't put this thing down. And then that's when they read in. So one of the things that you'll often see um, like Tony Robbins do, for instance, is constantly get buy-in from people. So he's constantly throughout the whole of his like seminars and stuff like that. He'll often, you know, he'll always be trying to continually get people to buy in to the idea that a he's an authority, b the content is good, and c it can help them. So he's constantly doing that throughout the entire thing. He doesn't just re- simply rely on the fact that they've bought a ticket and the fact that they're sitting in their seat. He's constantly going at it. So just because they've invited you over. And they've given up a couple of hours of their day doesn't mean necessarily that they're that interested yet. Mm. So you have to keep going with that. And I'd even go as far as to say you should keep going like period, just never stop continually demonstrating that value, demonstrating the fact that you can you can help them. Um, so that's it, a really long way of answering your question. No, that's Sorry. all right. Is, is the executive summary then a, a sort of summation of their core business need? You know, when you've drilled down in your discovery session, you found this mm. one kernel of truth. Are you basically just echoing that back to them saying 100%. such and such a business is a such and such a business with so many employees and they need to, da da da, whatever it is. Cut the first bit out. Right, okay. Cut just... the first bit out. They know that. Yep. They, 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 every week when they yeah, get the payroll, they know that. <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> good point. Me. 
I, I see that's the that's the thing. You don't need to tell them what they are. Mm. You just need to tell them what they're trying to do. So when you're actually talking to them, let's talk about the let's go back a little bit and talk about the meeting, right? So when you're actually sitting down with them, you obviously want to start things off by just saying, okay, like why am I here? Like what do you actually want? Like, oh, we want a new website. Yeah. Yes. But what are you trying to achieve with it? Mm. Oh, well, we want more leads. Okay. Why do you want more leads? Well, we want more money. All right. Well, there's many ways you can get more money. Leads is just one option. So why why that? Oh, okay. Well, um, we, that's that's what we really thought of. Okay. Well, what about the fact that you have 50 people a day calling up and you're only converting two of them to sales? Wouldn't it be easier to just increase that conversion rate? We mm. can help you do that. Oh, right. Okay. Well, do you see what I mean? It takes yep, it down. Yep, yep. So dig in, dig in and find the truth. Because it might be, it might be that within, you know, five minutes of having a conversation like that, you don't need to build them a website. Maybe you just need to help them like track stuff better. Yeah. You know? Yep. And that's when I think being a true, um, to use a sort of a WP elevation term, being a true WordPress consultant or, you know, website consultant actually comes in. You take that consultancy part and you own it and if you know with that word and using that term and i know it gets thrown around a lot but there comes an element of responsibility when you when you call yourself a consultant and i think people should um but it's up to you to tell them that you're not the right that they don't need a website even though that's what you sell Mm. and it might be that that isn't the case maybe you say to them you don't need a new website you just need to convert more people on the phone yeah i know a great sales trainer he'll come in he'll charge you a couple of grand and he will do an amazing job of convincing your, um, of training your sales team on how to, do you know what I mean? And, and you've just won a client for life there. Yeah, I, I do not know. buy anything today. Yep. I do but, know exactly what you mean because I've sat through countless meetings and there's no way of knowing how that conversation is going to go. You know, sometimes mm. it's, it literally goes straight into the website. Sometimes it is about the money. Sometimes you figure out mm. that they're downsizing and they want to, you know, they just want to rejig things and make the make the website a little bit different because of that or they're rebranding. You, you just don't know, yep. but there, there's always one. There's but always one reason. You have to ask reason. those questions, though. Yeah, you yeah, have you to do. ask those questions and keep asking why. Keep asking why. It's, it's, you know, it's like an annoying kid thing. Mummy, why, yeah, when yeah, are you going yeah. to be you there? You know? Why do you want to do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, you're right. That, and that, I, I went through the WP Elevation course many years ago, and that was one of the things that... Um, that Troy Dean was talking about all the time, you know, get this discovery session, just keep asking why. And he calls it, I think it's go wide, go deep. And you, yeah. you sort of work out the one thing and then you just keep drilling on that one thing until eventually there's nothing else to drill and you find out mm. what the reason is. And he always uses the analogy of, oh, you're selling the business then, are you? You know, you're about to, mm. you're about to ditch the business and actually you want an exit strategy and you want to look good in search so that anybody coming along and trying to buy your business thinks that you're, you know, really, really credible. Yeah. Um, okay, so the executive summary... Which, in your experience, should that be um, occupying a whole page all by itself in like super yes. big font, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, you could almost take that newspaper idea, mm. you know, I mean, you know, big font for your headline. Think of think of that as look, it's a marketing piece. Mm. It's a marketing piece. That's what it is. It's to think of it as your homepage, if you like. Mm. And, you know, big font with a call out headline, which is stating back to them in their words, not your reworded version, in their exact words and phrases, even if they're not words you would use. And even if they're technically wrong, doesn't matter. Use their words. And you state back to them exactly what it is that they're trying to do. And mm-hmm. then expand down with a slightly smaller font, sort of like a, an H2, if you like. Um, and then after that, you would you'd put your, your body copy, which would be sort of like a, a couple of well-written paragraphs that explains exactly 
um, you know, just basically restating the goal and what it is you're, you're actually going to do. Yeah. So theoretically, here's the idea. They read the snapshot, the executive summary, the introduction. They skip to the price. They should be able to make a decision based on that. Where would you, where, is that the order that you'd put it in? Would you go executive well, summary? Well, we know that that's exactly what happens when right. people look at it. Right, <laughs> interesting. Uh, well, of course, you've got the data. Um, mm. We should probably explain at this point that Better Proposals is um, is a SaaS product, which yep. uh, which you can get an account for. And in effect, it creates a website per proposal. Is that a silly yeah, way I mean, of describing a, it? Or? No, 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 not at all. I mean, it's, um, okay, so to draw the distinction, usually, I suppose, historically, you would create a PDF in you know, Word or InDesign or whatever it is, and then you would PDF it and you would send it to your client. That's right. not how people do proposals anymore. Pro- proposals are an experience, right? And that's what you're trying to sell to them. You're trying to sell to them that you're a modern, forward-thinking business that looks to the you know, cutting edge of technology. And if you go around sending an old-fashioned Word document that's PDF'd, what does that say about you as somebody that's just about to take on their new website mm. doesn't doesn't really look good. So in a way, this is just, you know, doing it in this modern fashion is actually just a way of almost just keeping up really yeah. with with exactly how this thing should be viewed. So, you know, for instance, if you're telling your client how important responsive design is and Google's going mobile first and you've got to have everything responsive and then they open up your proposal and because you've sent it as a PDF that's a size <laughs> of a piece of paper and they open it up on their iPhone they can't read it. Yeah. What does that look? How, how does that make you look? Yeah, it really looks weird. Point. So you're banging on about one thing, and then it's fine for them, but it's not fine for you. So, yeah. So do your stats then indicate? Because obviously you can track all these metrics. Do your stats mm-hmm. indicate that they go straight in uh, past the front cover or whatever, which we'll come mm-hmm. to in a minute? Um, they'll look at the executive summary and then using the menu, which is always available on the left hand side, mm-hmm. um, they'll then just click straight to the price. Yeah, typically. I mean, some people are very disciplined, and I don't really understand how how anyone could possibly do this. But some people just skip all the way through and they just read it one after the other. Right. Um, we, I just want to be absolutely clear: we don't look at anyone's statistics. We're looking at an Good aggregated. Point. Good point. Um, you know, there's no there's no like personal information here. We just look at like the average of you know seven thousand plus customers, and you know you just sort of pulled this together to create an average of some data. So mm-hmm. it what this means is that we can then feed this back to you and give you the shortcuts. So that, you know, whether you're using our system, whether you're using something else, or, you know, you can even sort of extrapolate this out and use it an old-fashioned way, um, there are some signposts that are left here. So, uh, yeah, so they typically what people will do is they'll open it up, they'll read the first page in full, and then they will go and look at the price. And then if they're convinced, they go back and read it all. Right. It's the same concept in a sales letter where you would read all the headlines skip to the bottom, look at the price. And if the price is okay and the headlines have won you over, then you go back and read the whole thing properly. Do people drop out at the first page though? You know, when they read the executive summary, do people sometimes shot it even at that point without going to the price? My guess is most people will actually check out the price a bit as well. Most people check out the price. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't have any specific data for like how many people drop off at certain points. And mm. it, it, it does completely depend how people have structured their proposals. And mm. you, can't, mm. you can't really draw too many conclusions from that. Um, but yeah, I mean... I think if somebody's dropping off after even after reading your introduction and your, the first page, you've probably written the wrong thing. But the most common thing I see people doing is doing an about us as the first thing that they read. Right. The worst thing you can do. Right. It's so common, though. It's so common. So if you feel like it makes sense to tell them about you first, then just, I mean, 
our templates don't even have an about us in them because it's, it's completely irrelevant yes it is <laughs> they've already know about you irrelevant. Yeah. yeah they either know about you already or if they don't then they don't care yet yeah yeah it's they a really good yet. point yeah like they will ask they will ask i mean look if you've entered design awards and you've won something prestigious or you've got clients like i don't know major names i don't know big car brands or you know sports brands or whatever and you've done genuinely seriously good you know major name stuff then by all means name drop that mm. by all means you know and get it in early and but put it in a way that makes sense to them you know like re- reference it don't go reworked for nike just reference it <laughs> so like you know when we did this for nike do you know what i mean and tell them how it makes sense in their context because that's really all they care about yeah. the fact that you did work for nike doesn't matter really to them it's cool but it doesn't matter when they get to the when they get to the um the pricing bit so you've done your executive summary and typically they're then clicking on the the pricing page is there any good advice for the way that you lay out your pricing pages so for example the way i've tended to do it is i'll have like um like here's the core stuff this is the stuff that you absolutely can't do without and then here's a bunch of other stuff which would be recommended um, and that's kind of worked quite well for me in the past, but I don't know if I'm doing that, you know, statistically, if that's not such a good way of doing it. I would say you've done that really well. I'll tell, oh, you, I'll tell you a couple of mistakes that people make, right? So there's, there's two major things. One is putting too much jargon and too much information in the pricing table. I'm talking specifically about better proposals here, but this translates way back. So you, yep. however you're presenting your price area of your proposal, don't put too much information in there. And certainly, I know I'll be talking specifically to a WordPress crew here. So don't put techie stuff in there. It's so, so, so easy to do it. You understand it. Your friends understand it. Your you know, close colleagues understand it. Your team understand it. But your clients do not understand this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Literally don't understand a word of it. So the second you've got an acronym, the second you've got like an abbreviation of something or you know, a techie term or you say, I, I don't know, almost anything – I mean, maybe people start to understand what SEO is now, but that's mm-hmm. literally the level that people are at. Yep. You know, 20 years after we've been talking about this SEO thing, people start to actually understand it. So that's how far back people are. So if you're talking about technologies and you're talking about, I don't know, Ajax and pop-ups and light boxes and float overs and all this other nonsense, forget it. They don't understand it mm-hmm. and they don't care. And here's a snapshot statement confused people don't buy stuff (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) when is a confused person ever handed over a credit card in the history of ever (laughs) i mean it just doesn't happen no no. don't confuse people make them feel comfortable with the idea that they can trust that you're going to do it so spend less time talking about the technical aspects and more time talking about how you're just going to handle it and you know, it's not going to be a problem. Are you, um, is it on those pricing tables, do you think it's a good idea to, so you, you remove all the technical stuff. Um, I've got my core stuff, which I kind of break down into one or two sentences only, sort of saying perfect. it's the website and it's yep. the hosting. And I don't really explain much more than that. And then I go on perfect. to explain things like, you know, if you want a client portal or whatever the word is I've used, mm-hmm. that'll be an extra such and such. And and, and, and I go into all these little, little itineraries that, that could happen Mm-hmm. Would it be better statistically? Do, do people convert better if it's just look? Here's one choice and here's another, or here's one choice and here's like fifteen more. Well, this is what I was going to say to you. I think the way that you're doing it is correct. So 
to, to summarize, you have a couple if you know of, of core essentials that you can't do without. So yep. you need hosting. You can't put it on a floppy disk and give it to your friends. You need hosting. <laughs> that is an essential part of this. And you need a website because otherwise we wouldn't be having a conversation. So yep. those two things are absolutely essential. What the website is made up of is an entirely different conversation. Mm. So that you can break that down in a different in a different area of the proposal. But in terms of the actual pricing page itself, what you ideally want to do is if they've told you that their budget is, say, 6,000, I don't know what currency we're in, say 6,000 pounds, doesn't matter, uh, 6,000 anything, um, you, you typically want to make sure that the essentials come in just under that, right? Yep, 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 yep. But then make sure that you pay attention in the meeting so that when their eyes light up, when you mention a certain thing, write that down. Yep. That is not included in the essentials. Yep. You know they're going to pay for it because they're emotionally invested in it. Yep. So that's the stuff that you add in as your optional items. So for context, um, with in better proposals, you can allow them to basically have like a little mini shopping cart, if you like, so they can tick options on and then it adds up the total. So you say, these are essential. This is what the price is, six grand an X amount a month for your hosting. And then these items are optional. So they've got a little tick box next to them and then they can tick them on and it adjusts the price on the fly. So they can upsell themselves based on stuff that you've already put in there. Yep. Now, what people um, should try and do is try and get the essentials just under their budget and make sure that the extras that they want, the things that they're really excited about, tip it over the budget. Because you know they're going to pay for them. Hmm. They'll find the budget. The budget's not real. It's just an amount that they didn't really want to spend too much more of. But people don't buy for logical reasons. They justify it for logical reasons. They buy for emotional reasons. So find the thing that if they've earmarked six grand as what they want to spend, and then you come in at five, six, and you've got 1,200 quid's worth of extras that they really wanted because they were super excited about them. Hmm. And they're the optional items. That's a really easy way of boosting up the transaction value. So, yeah. I don't know. I give myself nasty maths, but seven something. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did that. It was more than six anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Tipping it, tip it over the budget. But it's a really simple way of making sure that because what you'd want to do usually is go, oh, well, I'll include that then because they were really excited about it. But that's your that's your card played. Mm. Do that. Get that in, as an extra. Because you know that they're emotionally invested in it. They really want that thing. So they pay extra for it. There's also something quite um, quite interesting about when you actually start clicking in a cart. You know what I mean? Once you've figured out the process, mm. oh, I can click on this. Oh, I could click on that. You know, as soon as you've started mm. clicking on things, all those other little areas suddenly, uh, yeah, I could do with that as well. I remember talking about that. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I suppose putting them in, a, in an order of relevance to the customer as opposed to an order of relevance of money would make sense. You know, so yeah. the thing that... Jumble which, the pricing up. Yeah. yeah, and the thing which lit their eyes up the most stick it straight at the top i'm guessing yep. and we go down the list until eventually it's stuff that you know you a wing and a prayer you're not really likely to, to to sell it to them but you never know yeah exactly and look some people when they get in a buying mode just go ah to hell with it i'll have the lot yeah 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 exactly yeah and i totally agree once you've started clicking right it's like when i'm on amazon you know there's that little thing under when you buy the product it says it would be good with these i'm a sucker for that 
Because yeah. it would be good oh, with would those, it? wouldn't oh. it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that thing that I don't need, but it's really handy. Yeah, I'll have that. Yeah, I'll do and that. one click order, free delivery. Yeah, have exactly. it on your doorstep tomorrow. Yeah. Refund yeah. it any time. It's no problem. You know, it's just what, <laughs> easy. What, so apart from the apart from the two things that we mm-hmm. talked about, the executive summary and the pricing, what are the other like super crucial things that somebody like proof. you is? It, go on, carry on. Proof. Yeah, I was interrupting because it's the only other thing that really matters. Right. Proof. Give them proof. You have to prove you can do the thing that you are saying you can do. Okay. There's, there's no – people don't – sometimes people include, like, screenshots of their work. And this actually doesn't really mean anything if you think about it. It's just a screenshot of a website. The good design is not it's, – it's frustrating, but, like, good design is not – it's just a bit of a commodity these days, mm. you know? So if you've designed some really nice stuff, that's cool, but – people have seen it all what's really important is the results you get for people Mm. so if you want to include a screenshot of an amazing logo and brand setup that you did for somebody and the style guide and everything else or a new website that you did and whatever don't show them a screenshot tell them a story why did you do it what were they trying to do what what was their situation right so they were a tired old you know stuffy law firm and you came in and you made it bright and you made it vibrant and you made it interesting. And four months later, their lead count shot up and more people were buying because they trusted that brand more. Mm. That matters. That matters. That's a story. And that matters. So what we've done in our templates, um, and you can go and look at all of these, by the way. If you go to betterproposals.io and click free templates or template marketplace whatever it is at the top it should be obvious enough um proposal templates i think it says uh there's like 50 60 70 of them and you can just click through any of these they mostly follow the same structure so if you want to do that then that's hopefully going to give some context but um on most of the templates what we've got is instead of actually saying this is a case study or testimonial it's we've we framed it in a way that it's like it's like an introduction so it's like i want you to meet mary and that's weird. That's a weird thing to put in a proposal. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. you. You click on it, but then it's a story about Mary. And it's her situation and what she was experiencing before we got involved um, and what her situation was and then what we did about it and what the result was and a testimonial from her. Yeah. So literally you know? a story. It's not like um, it's, it's not like business sales hardcore pitch. It's just here's a real person with a real problem. Here's what we did. Um, yeah. you know, and here's the extra revenue or the whatever it might be. Exactly. Nice. That's exactly it. And and that works so nicely because it's real. And look, if it's not written brilliantly, that's kind of good. That's kind of good. It's a bit more real. It looks like you. It looks like you wrote it for them. Yeah, interesting. That's a good so point. So what you ideally want to do is build up a library of these things. So the more relevant that that case study is, the better. Yep. So if somebody is just a straight numbers person and they're like, look, our sales are amazing. Our conversion is awesome. We just need more leads in the top of the funnel. Can you help with that? And you're like, yep, that's what we do. Perfect. Find a case study where that also happened. Yep. Different industry maybe. Yep. But find, it, find a case study where somebody else came to you with that exact same problem and you solved it and this is how you did it. Mm. That would be 100% relevant to them. They're going to read that and go, oh, my God, I'm John. That's me. Perfect. I'm in. Like, 
you sold that exact thing for that person, there's no reason why you can't do it for me. So aside from the executive summary, the sales, the pricing pages, and this proof page, whatever format that might take, um, what's the sort of like the other the other stuff that we ought to probably put in? Because I know there's probably a load of stuff that we all put in that has a no place really being in there. You're just trying to fill it up and get it to mm. 10 pages or something. Um, <laughs> what stuff would you recommend after those three things? So... I mean, I'll whisk through them because there's 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 a couple, and I think most of them are fairly obvious. But you you want to have some page in there where you're actually telling them what they're actually going to get. Yep, that's kind of important. Um, so there's there's that. Obviously, keep it. You know, same thing applies. Don't make it techie. Um, if you're stuck with techie stuff, here's a little trick for you. Um, and you keep wanting to write something technical, just write the techie thing, then put which means that, and then answer the question you just made for yourself. Hmm. So. You know, it, I don't know, SEO, you know, we will SEO your website. That's terrible English, wasn't it? But whatever, you know, we'll optimize your website for search engines. And then, which means that you will rank higher in Google. Oh, okay. People will find you. Yeah. Problem solution sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You do, and then you can cut the, the beginning part off. Yep. You don't need it anymore. Okay. Yeah. We, we you will know, you make your website you rank higher for search engines and just miss out the yeah. SEO. But yeah, I've got you. I've got you. You see yeah. what I mean? So yeah, it's a nice you, trick. I like that. And, and it works for pretty much anything. I mean, you can take almost any technical thing and then just put which means that and then answer it and then just get rid of everything which means that and before. Nice trick. Like um, that. So, so there's that. So obviously it's explaining to them in the, in the nuts and bolts of it what they're actually going to get. The, the other thing is timescales. Oh, I hate this bit. Well, this, this part of people I think get wrong. They don't actually necessarily care how long it takes. It's got to be within... You know, it's got to meet their this goals. year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'll be done when it's done. Get out of my face. <laughs> yeah. Don't email me about it. Um, but obviously, if they're on a rush job and they've said it needs to be done in four weeks, and you've said, okay, cool, we can do that in four weeks, of course, that's an important point, and you've got to seriously like address that. But if it's not got a you know a dead set sort of time frame. You're saying it's going to be eight weeks. They don't really care that it's eight weeks. What they care about is that you're not going to just disappear. Mm. That's one thing. The other thing they care about is just being kept in the loop and roughly what is going to happen at what stage. So if you've got, say, a design stage, a development stage, a content stage, and a launch stage, or testing and then maybe a launch, right? What you want to do is just tell them, like, at what point each of those things are happening. So... They've got a little bit of trust, a little bit of like, oh, okay, cool. So I'm going to get the design in two weeks. Perfect. It's an easier thing to get their head around rather than like, is this thing going to be done in eight weeks? Yes. It's, a bit of a, it's, it's, it's quite a big thing. Whereas if you chunk it down and you say, right, in two weeks, you're going to have the design and then you, and then you sign it off mm. and approve it. And then once you've signed it off and approved it, then you can use better proposals for it if you want. But um, cheap plug. No, it's good. Uh, it's a good, it's a good <laughs> um, little feature. Why not? Mm um and then you know you move into the the next stages or whatever it just breaks things down and it it leaves less confusion less big stuff and it's more like oh okay i'm gonna get the pictures of my new thing in two weeks perfect i can get my head around that no problem the rest can be vague but that initial bit is is catered for so Mm. so making sure that that's clear but i think a lot of this really just comes down to just think about the state that the person is in that you're going to send this to and try and just answer their questions because there's some stuff they can't ask you what happens 
if I buy this and I've used my wife's like uh, redundancy money to pay for it and you just disappear. Yep. <laughs> that's an actual concern. I've when I did ran my agency, that or similar scenarios. Stuff like that happened all the time. Mm. That was actually real. And that happens more than you think it does. You know, people use earmarked money, especially in very, very small businesses. People use earmarked money for personal reasons, and they're investing their personal money into this. Mm. To you, it's just another client. But to them, it's this is like kitchen or website. Yeah, yeah. You know? So try and remember that. And try and remember that sometimes this stuff is, is really a massive decision for somebody. Mm. So you need to address the fact that in some cases, um, you know, th this is a very, very personal thing. And you need to just take a little bit of care with that. If you're dealing with a big board and all that kind of stuff, less so. But be sensitive to the fact that, you know, you might be selling to somebody that has this kind of situation. Mm. Um, but, yeah, rattling through, I mean, there's things like a guarantee, which I would always recommend putting in there. And I'm not saying a money-back guarantee regardless, no questions asked. I'm saying guarantee something. Guarantee yep. a launch date if they give you the content on time. Guarantee that they're going to be happy with the design and do unlimited design revisions or something. I, whatever it is, whatever you feel comfortable with, guarantee a small part of it. Yep. Because the fact that you have a guarantee is way more important than the actual guarantee itself. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It makes perfect sense. I think we should um, like talk a little bit about your business because Better Proposals is obviously what you, what you do for a living, and uh, it's how you, you you know you generate your your income and what have you. Mm -hmm. um, so we're at betterproposals.io. Um, you've been in business for several years now. Do you want to do you want to tell us like the what's the thing called the elevator pitch for for it, and what are your what are the features that make it stand out and that you're most proud of? Um, okay, so Better Proposals is a it's an online software platform that removes the concept of having to write and design proposals in an old-fashioned format, say Microsoft Word or Pages or InDesign. So instead of sending your client a uh, formatted old document, as pretty as you may be able to make it look, yeah. um, it's still a document. Yeah. Um, you're sending them a, a really, really, really smart web-based experience. And that's essentially what the product is. So it's a, it's a, essentially it's an editor and it's a sending tool. So you're sending them a really, really cool web link. And that's what this, um, that's what this product is. So because of that, you can find out when they've opened it. You can see what they've looked at. So if they open it up, look at the price, look at it for four seconds and close it down, you know that that's what they've done. Yeah. So it means that you can follow up accordingly and do whatever it is that you need to do to try and close that that uh, particular client. Yeah. Um, some of the features I'm most proud of, I think the live chat integrations is probably the coolest thing. Yeah, there's a um, lot of those, isn't there? You've got like mm. dozens. <laughs> pretty yeah. much every platform there is. We felt, yeah, we, we pretty much tried to, tried to cover all the bases. But what it means is that when your client has a question about your proposal, you basically want that question as soon as it enters their head. Yes. So if they have to wait and then they have to form an email, which is, you know, like a formal response to your proposal, huh. what you might find is that it isn't a formal response to your proposal. It's a non-response. Yeah. They just don't go and say anything. And then you're sitting there trying to chase thin air aimlessly and you've got no idea what you're doing got nothing to latch on to they're giving you nothing to grasp and 
the whole, everybody's in the dark except them because they know what they're trying to do. Yep. Get away from you. Um, but <laughs> if they can ask the question, so is it going to do X? Is it going to have this? Is it going to have that? And they can ask those questions right when they're reading the proposal because you've got a little live chat widget in the bottom right-hand corner of your proposal and it pops up and says, hey, I'm chilling in the office this afternoon. Drop us a message if you've got any questions. Yeah, that Keep hadn't it really occurred to me how useful that could be, actually. But yeah, I think the idea of it just gets put on the shelf, no matter how good the proposal is, there is that tendency to, oh, I'll do that later and then forget about it. Whereas if that chat box is there, that's mm. really cool. And in a way... I guess the client won't even think uh, anything about oh the, no this is is this a chat box to better proposals or is this a chat box to the my my you know the person that's given me the proposal they'll just click on it won't they because it it's all sort of branded as if it's your stuff anyway. Yeah exactly we're not mentioned anywhere. Yeah. I mean on 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 any of our plans there's no there's no mention of us there's no like I mean you can switch it on if you want like commission or whatever but there's no like sent with better proposals we don't enforce that kind of thing and yep. there's no mention of us at all so you can customize your uh the web link so that it says your domain name in it forward slash proposal and then yep. all the gibberish after that um so there's no as far as they're concerned this is custom software that you guys have built so that you can give your clients a great experience yeah nice and you know, that's how it looks the um the payment options are pretty cool as well i mean it's the usual mm. stuff but you've gone one step further than the usual you're i'm so you know i love go cardless i'm so pleased yeah. that somebody has made the effort to do go cardless integration so i've got paypal stripe go cardless yeah so this this means that once your client has digitally signed your proposal. It's amazing how like that isn't even a thing that I consider anymore. I'm like, well, of course it's got digital signatures on it, but yeah, that's yeah. revolutionary in some people's yeah. situations. So your client can digitally sign the proposal, um, and then you know, so you've sent it to them. They can digitally sign it. That's then agreed. It's legal. It's been tested in the in the UK, and I'm fairly sure somebody told me the other day that they've won a court case in America with it as well. So it works across um, you know across both uh, legal systems. Um, I personally had to take a barrister to court at one point and used better proposals to to do it. And it, and it won. The judge was like, yeah, I fate, rule in favor for you. <laughs> That's a whole new story. And then he tried to run us over, but I'm not going to go into that. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, it works. It works. It's completely legal. But then what happens after they've signed it is that you can then present them with a great. Thanks so much for joining us or thanks so much for becoming a client first thing we need to do is we need to take a deposit payment of x yeah and then they can literally just in a really nice branded um experience they can then you know just click a button put their card details in and make a payment um or in the case of go cardless they can then click a button they put their um, direct debit details in fill in the mandate and then that's all done as well so what's super cool about it is that sometimes what you can find is somebody says yeah yeah, yeah we'd love to go ahead and then because you don't have any of these processes in yeah. place, um, what ends up happening is nothing ends up happening. And you're chasing this like, well, you said you wanted it, and now you don't want it. Are you having cold feet about it? Like, what's yeah, the yeah, situation? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's more just email. awkward. Yeah. yeah, it's more email. It's more chasing. It's more admin. And look, we're creatives, right? You know, I came from this background as well. We're creatives. It's not natural to us to get on the phone and start, like, ear spamming people. Oh, with. I hate it, yeah. It's not fun. It's not something we... <laughs> enjoy doing and it's not something that's natural so you end up taking the easier option which is just don't say anything mm. and now you're losing the deal you hope so yeah. you know just put put this technology to work it's cheap as chips put it to work and let it actually just move these deals naturally along 
Yeah. And in a way, you can kind of just go, well, it's the software. It's not me. I'm not tracing it. Like, yeah. You just sort of pass it off. <laughs> I like it, yeah. It's the default settings. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do it. It just does it like that. Because it does, it does do that, doesn't it? It does send you reminders if things haven't been sort of like pushed forward and, and what have you. The, the reminder thing is something that we've thought long and hard about. And we... I'm not sure how I feel about it because it's it's it, better proposals doesn't send any reminders to the client and it no. doesn't send any reminders to you at the moment. But what we're looking at doing at the moment is trying to build in some sort of easy reminder setup for yourselves or our customers, if you like, um, to try and go. This one probably needs a bit of a shove. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe look at that one. Um, but yeah, so that's that's something we're we're toying with at the moment. So hopefully you'll see something like that in a in a couple of months, even if it's just a little like weekly email to say yeah. that. Yeah, my mistake. Yeah. I thought it did. I, I'll tell you what. That's another right. question I've got because I've mm. never made use of it. Does it does it do? Can it do like subscription type payments as well? So if, if yes. for example the proposal was for I don't know a membership of something, a mm-hmm. hundred dollars a month or whatever, it'll handle that. Yep. So uh, as long as you don't use PayPal, because PayPal is nasty, it makes all sorts of things difficult for everybody, um, yeah. including developers. Which including is really, users. <laughs> users, yeah. payment people, just about everybody yeah. uses it. So um, you can't do it with PayPal, but you can do it with GoCardless, UK people, um, and you can do it with Stripe. Mm. So the process goes something like this. They sign the proposal. They make their first payment. We now know who they are. Stripe knows who they are. Everything's all connected. You now get a, a new button in your dashboard that says start subscription. Now, you press that, you put the amount in, it will pull it in any way because it knows what a monthly fee is. Um, so in this case, if it was $100, it would say, oh, well, they agreed that $100 for that subscription um, or for that membership. That was your example, wasn't it? Yeah. They've agreed that $100. That's probably what this is. You can obviously change it. Um, add any taxes on if you need to and then press go. And yep. put the date in that it should start. Um, and then that goes straight through to Stripe. It uses the card that they've now got on file. And that's it. You don't have to go and ask them again. You don't have to ask them to set anything else up. It's not. It's another thing you don't have to bug your client with mm. in terms of money. Because it's mm. always awkward. Um, and it's just all done. They've agreed yep. it. It's all fine. You're just starting it for them. Um, and then everything else is all just done automatically. You yep. never have to worry about it again. My my top tip, if you're sort of persuaded by having a look at better proposals, would be to go to exactly as Adam said, go to the template marketplace because that I think that's where the goodness all all is. You know, the payment integrations and everything, fabulous. But it's about looking at what you've got. And there's good lord, Adam, how many have you done? Like, yeah, there's like a the scroll bar is small, shall we say. <laughs> Um, there's a lot isn't there yeah and the the nice thing is it doesn't matter what industry you're in I mean we're all going to probably scroll right to the bottom where there's two four six seven um, templates for web design proposals whether that's e-commerce website design or um, let's have a look just website support and maintenance um, and so on there's seven to choose from and it just sort of lays it out in a nice way mm. probably an engaging way that you may not have done it before and you'll get a real impression immediately when you click the preview button of oh that's what it looks like that's how the menu works that's where the payment mm. page goes and so on and you'll get an impression of oh yeah that's 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 a piece of cake and that's what it's all about really isn't it making it drop dead simple for your client to get get a get a grip of it and click the button it's, it's making it simple for everybody. Mm. So if, if you know that all you've got to do is write this introduction and stick the price in and select a case study and obviously make any relevant adjustments for what they're actually going to get if there's anything 
out of the ordinary there mm. and you know that's all you need to do then that means that you can get your proposal out really quickly yeah and um i mean we we conducted a report last using last year's information and data and we've compiled it in the 2017 proposal report we can put a link there but it's just betterproposal.io forward slash report um and then what that's got in it is is a hard data as to basically what statistically makes a winning proposal mm. um, and one of the things that we found was sending the proposal within 24 hours makes a massive massive difference wow so interesting okay yeah i mean even compared to just three days hmm it's wow. absolutely insane so well I, 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 can, I can see that actually yeah your brain's still on it isn't it whoever they are they've, they've probably had a bunch of stuff come in since you spoke to them but less of a bunch of stuff come in if it was one day instead of three. Yeah, good point. Yeah, it's, it's massive. So your conversion rate will improve by 29 point, sorry, 25.9% um, compared to just if you sent it within 24 hours compared to just three or four days. Nice. So if you leave, which is insane. Yeah, so that's really insane. <laughs> yeah. So what I would say to people, we just put this in um, in our book, The Price of Freelancing and sort of fresh in my mind. But what I've always done, and I always thought it was normal, but apparently it's not, so I might, I might as well mention it. When you have a meeting with your client, unless you absolutely have to, try not to go to their place of work. Make them work for a little bit, mm. but suggest a really smart-looking hotel uh, near their place. So travel, do the travel for them, but don't leave them in their place where they've got all their distractions. Get them out of their place and bring them to a really, really, really smart looking hotel so this does a couple of things and i'll relate it back in a second um for a start it gets them in a place of feeling good so when you walk into a hotel like that you look and you act differently it means that you can dress smart and it, it matches the place and that makes everybody feel good the price of coffee is exactly the same as it is in starbucks anyway usually <laughs> and it just it puts everything in a really really nice setup and it tells them so much about you this is the kind of person that hangs out in places like this. People that hang out in places like this are successful and have successful lives and have successful clients. So straight away, you're putting a completely different bracket to everybody else, which is exactly what you want. Yeah. And this cool. is where it comes to the 24-hour thing. Once that meeting is finished, send them on their way and stay there. Stay there and write that introduction. Yeah. Get that proposal ready. It's a SaaS product. You've got no excuse. You can just sit there. You can do it on your laptop. You don't have to get your laptop out. You can you know, do your meeting as you usually would. Um, but then just stay there. Just order yourself another drink. Stay there. Work for 15, 20 minutes, whatever it takes. And just do it while it's fresh. Mm. Because when that client says to you, or potential client says to you, great, that's awesome. Can you send us a proposal then? There is no higher moment of excitement. That's a really bad way of putting it. But that's the, that excitement level is at its peak in that second yeah every hour every day every week that goes past after that point it drops dramatically yeah and that's completely proven in the data here mm. it, it really is so the other thing as well is if you again send it within 24 hours of course this is better proposal data only but if if you sent it within 24 hours the average time to sign um is six days if you send it in like two to three days, the average time to sign is 10 days. Ah, so, it says an, yeah. so it says an awful lot. So you're not only getting more converted, as I've described it really badly, but I think the point 
comes across. Yeah, you basically do. send it within twenty four hours, and you'll get the thing signed quicker, and um, you've got a greater chance of actually winning winning the job as well. So yeah, yeah. And, and why wouldn't you want to get it done? You know, the, the the thing with a proposal is it's not actually writing it that's the problem. And I'm hoping that everybody listening to this goes, oh yeah, he's right. But um, it's the it's the fact that you procrastinate over it because it's a big moment and it's something you want to get right and you don't want to do it when you're tired. You don't want to do it just after a meeting and you've got this other stuff that you've got to deal with and whatever. So you leave it and you leave it and you leave it. And then four or five days later, you finally sit down to write it and you go, I can't remember a bloody thing <laughs> we said exactly in that That's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. I've got screeds go, of paper and I can't read any of what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a yeah. it's a real problem. It's a yeah. real problem. It's such an easy fix. Meet yeah. somewhere smart that solves that problem. Makes you look better. Makes them feel better. Puts them in a decent buying state and a powerful state, which is what these kind of places are designed to do. Yep. Um, and you know, use that. Use the thousands of you know hours of research that's gone into designing hotel reception areas to put people in a powerful buying state, and then use that to your advantage. It's um, it's absolutely fascinating because obviously you know I write proposals frequently not probably not as much as a lot of other people but I, it, to me it's a real kind of like it's it's a chore and it's kind of like an anxious moment and it's just fascinating that somebody like you exists who it's their job to like tweak this and make it as simple as possible and as effective as possible and I just think that's cool I think that's really thanks. great that you've got this you've got this hat and someone's that's gonna what do, you it. do yeah no but it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to put into words your your expertise in this area, you know, because we can talk about it and we can explain it. But at the end, you've got lots of data. You've got loads mm. of data about what works and what the percentages show and the platform reflects the data. So, you mm. know, if you've got, if you use one of their templates, um, it's been proven, you know, people have mm. tried this out and we've tweaked it and it, this is what you need to do. This is the most effective thing. And what was it again? Betterproposals.io forward slash report. Correct. That's what yeah. we should all be looking at. And, yeah. and by the way, this the, the data that um, uh, that that report covers is from the whole of 2017. We've grown massively since then. But um, if if you take all of that data, that is using the um, the one proposals, the proposals that got signed, and it totaled up over 120 million dollars. Right. That's, that's, a the to- that's the total. Yeah. There's a lot of proposals, by the way. There's, I mean, it sounds like across a lot of people, that's, that perhaps doesn't sound like a crazy amount of money, but there's a lot of proposals that um, they don't use pricing tables and stuff like that. So they, mm. they're, they, they've won, but they've like got zero value on them. Yep. So, um, well, yeah, I'll so tell you what, that, I was going to say that page is ev- ev- eminently readable. It'll take you five minutes to, to rip through it all. And it's beautifully made as well. Well done. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> My last ever design job. Before yeah, I yeah, that. yeah. This is, your, <laughs> this is now your full-time gig. We're going to have to knock it on the head, I'm afraid, Adam, because we've sort of yeah. reached quite a lot of time. Um, I'll see you back next year then. Yeah, we'll do it all again. And you can tell us about the 2018 report. Uh, yeah. But thanks for coming on. Is there anybody or anybody that you want to mention? Any like URL or Twitter handle or any anything? I don't know. You got you got free reign. There's, say what you like. I would say go and give yourself ten minutes and create yourself a free account and go and have a little play. You know, it's a fourteen day free trial. There. There's no limits. Do what you want and just see if it jives with you. If you if it sort of fits with how you feel like writing a proposal, that's that's definitely worth doing. Um, we 
publish a lot of really, really, really good content around the idea of writing proposals, not specifically how to use our platform, but more how to win more jobs and all that kind of stuff. And we publish an awful lot of that in um, our Facebook group. So you can just go to Facebook and just Google, uh, yeah, Google on Facebook, well done, Adam. Um, <laughs> just search for, um, that's branding for you. It is a verb. Place the word yeah. search with Google. Uh, so just search for the, for the, for the group best proposals um, and, uh, yeah, and that will. Um, You've lost your thread. There you go. No, that's fine. I had a phone call that just came in on my thing and I didn't know what button to press. Did it, was that still on? <laughs> it's fine, yeah. No, it's oh, cool. totally but fine. Yeah, go, go join the Facebook group and every every couple of days or so we chuck a bit of content in there, which I'm sure will will help a bunch of people. But um, but yeah, it's uh, and check out that report as well. Thank you. I'm sure I can give you these links and you can stick them in the show notes. Yeah, well, I'll do that if we talk for a minute or two afterwards. Right, mm -hmm. great. Thank you, Adam. And um, My pleasure. Uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Take care. See ya. Hello there. Just before we finish the podcast, David and I recorded lots of interviews and lots of discussions and so on and so forth before we decided to change the format of the podcast. And so it turns out that lots of the interviews and discussions that we did didn't include the little bit right at the end where I have to say I'm about to fade in the cheesy music. So this is me highly unprofessionally ending the podcast with a sort of weird segue. So that's it. That's all I'm here to say is I'm about to fade in the cheesy music. <laughs> so here it is have a lovely week bye bye